Are you ready for the game plan? Ellis Tolbert has got you covered. It's time for 4th and 16 on The Roar. What's up, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16th, The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Happy Thursday. What are we at now? Week nine. Time is flying, folks. By the time you know it, the season will be over. So do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Let's just enjoy it. I know there's a lot of stuff to be upset about, but let's just enjoy it. One of the things to be happy about is the Tigers are 7-0. They're 7-0 after throttling Louisville 45-10 in the game that really started pretty slow and sloppy for the offense. But the floodgates turned on in the second half, and the defense still looks as dominant as ever before. Now, this weekend, they'll be taking on the Boston College Eagles in Death Valley. Kickoff for this game is at 7.30, and you can watch the game over on ACC Network. Boston College comes into this game with a record of 4-3. and three. They just dismantled NC State by a score of 45-24 to 24 in a game where they pretty much did the exact same things over and over again. But they are also a very confusing team because this same Boston College team was blown out earlier in the season at home to the Kansas Jayhawks. Very strange stuff there. But honestly, folks, I love playing Boston College. They are a no-frills team. You know what you're going to get every single time you play them. The Tigers will have to lace up the old cleats a little bit tighter, make sure they get some rest and eat their Wheaties for this game because it's going to be brutal. Will the Boston College Eagles make this one another too close for comfort game? or the Tigers will run away with it. We'll talk about that and more, but before I do that, I want to personally thank each and every one of you for listening and chatting it up with me each week. I am entirely grateful for you all and also the fine folks over at The Roar. So I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. But now we've got some football to talk, so let's go ahead and get into it. Six-year head coach Steve Adazio is going to be coming into Death Valley with a team that's determined to show their dominance. They want to be the more physical team. They pride themselves on being very strong in the trenches, and what better coach to have that than Steve Adazio? He's one of the few ACC coaches that I can actually stomach hearing talk. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's going to be honest and upfront with you. He's a head coach, but he is an offensive line coach by trade, so you know that they're going to always have a very good offensive line. He's bringing in first-year offensive coordinator Mike Bajakian from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Mike Bajakian's one of those guys that you either love him or hate him. If you're a Central Michigan fan or a Cincinnati fan, you absolutely love Mike Bajakian. But if you're a Tennessee Volunteers or a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, you probably hate this guy's guts. He doesn't fall anywhere in the middle. He's known for having a little bit of an eccentric offense, but he is a quarterback whisperer. We'll see what happens with them. He's had to tone back a little bit for Boston College because their scheme is a pro-style scheme. The personnel is 12. They want to be in 12 personnel most of the time. I talked about this last week. The first number, the amount of running backs. The second number, amount of tight ends. And boy, do they use them. So they'll be in 12 personnel most of the time. You'll see some 22, some 23 too. Uh, and if they do that, they're absolutely going to run the ball because they absolutely love their tight ends. Because their philosophy is smash-mouth football. They want it running down your throat pretty much every single play. That helps them branch off to the play action later on and you know maybe move the ball. But they are going to run the ball pretty much 90% of the time. They can do that because they are particularly strong at the offensive line, the running back, and the tight end positions. Those are the strengths of the team offensively. Let's go ahead and talk about them. Let's start with running back. Folks, A.J. Dillon is legit. He is the real deal. 
first-team All-ACC selection along with Travis Etienne and at one point was also a Heisman Trophy candidate. He's the highest-rated player for Boston College in a long while, especially go to Michigan, but he decided to go to Boston College, which is a win for him. He's an absolute workhorse. They can literally hang their hat on him. He's about 6'2", 250 pounds. He's a bruiser. He runs about a 4'5", 42, so he's not a slow guy. Reminds me like a more muscular Jerome Bettis. This guy's unstoppable. He hadn't played much against Clemson in the last two games. He's had some injury issues, and Clemson's played a lot of attention to him. You know, so, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, Clemson's going to have to really watch out for this because he's a really good player. And his backups aren't shabby either. David Bailey, another bruiser, about 6'1", 245 pounds, another bruising guy. So we're talking about the number one and number two running backs. That's 500 pounds of beef right there. Those guys are strong and hard to take down. Travis Levy is more of that scat back type guy. He's actually playing a lot of slot receiver as well, as well as Ben Glines, who's also starting at X position uh, as a wide receiver on the offense. A.J. Dillon, I'm telling you, these guys are good. They pushed around the ACC's best run defense in NC State, believe it or not. They just they were only giving up 66 yards a game rushing, folks. You know what's funny about that? A.J. Dillon had 223 yards and three touchdowns, and David Bailey had 181 yards and two touchdowns. Again, that just shows you, you know, how dominant they are along the trenches and at running back. And the crazy thing about it is they were doing some of the same plays over and over and over again. There was at one point they ran the exact same play to the exact same side eight times in a row against NC State, and it worked every time. They will do that to you. They're going to lull you to sleep with that run, too, if they don't beat you up because they're going to hit you with a play action later on. You know, So I think Clemson's doing a really good job at run defense. They're shutting down an excellent group of running backs for the past few weeks, but this one might be the toughest test, at least physically, all year. We're not going to see any bigger backs than the ones we're going to see this weekend. Fundamentals are going to play a big part in this game. It's going to be critical that the Tigers wrap up in this game and they gang tackle. I mean, you don't want to bounce off these guys. If so, they're going to nickel and dime you all the way down the field. They're going to wear you out, uh, and it'll make the game much more close than we'd like it to be. Again, these running backs are legit. Let's move along to the other strength of the offense, and that is that tight end. And, folks, they have a million of them. I'm serious. They are the exact opposite of Georgia Tech, and they are very important to this offense. They did lose an important player like Tommy Sweeney. He was the leading receiver last year. And just to put that in perspective, the tight ends accounted for 33% of all targets last year, more than all the actual receivers. So they use their tight ends heavily. They don't really throw it to the running backs in the backfield unless it's Levy or Glines. Uh, so, you know, they really rely on their tight ends for receptions and blocking. Folks, they, they really love their tight ends, you know. They got a lot of guys, too. I'm going to name off some guys. Jake Burt, who started the season on the Mackey Awards watch list, so you know he's legit. That's a national award for best tight end. Karabi Dreezy, Hunter Long, Chris Garrison, Ray Martin. They all contribute to this offense, especially in blocking and pass catching. They're, they're very good. Hunter Long has the most receptions on the team so far, and Karabi Dreezy actually has the most receiving touchdowns on the team, so uh, they use those guys a lot. They're very good, too. Again, if you see a side, we talk about personnel a lot, 12 personnel, 23. If you see a 23 personnel, the side that has two tight ends side by side, that is where the ball is going pretty much every single time. 
That's just an insider note. You can watch for it in the game. Unless they change up some tendencies, they do that a lot. I look to BC to try to have a lot of mismatch situations. Again, they're going to try to run the ball and hit you with a play action. They want to make sure your safeties and your linebackers are going to start creeping towards the box to be able to stop the run. Then they can hit you over the top with those excellent pass-catching tight ends. So we'll have to watch out for that one. I'm very confident in a guy like Isaiah Simmons and even Tanner Muse to be able to take on a guy like Jake Bird or Hunter Long or Christian Garrison uh, inside the box and be also aware enough to watch them leaking out for anything going down the seams. Let's talk about the next strength of the offense, and that is that offensive line by far. Uh, the offensive line at Boston College has always been good. They had some of the best offensive linemen last year in the ACC, but they actually only return one single starter this year. It's left tackle Ben Petrula. He is the anchor of this offensive line. Very good player. You know, Boston College is really good at offensive line. They have to be because of what they want to do. If you're going to run the ball every time, you better be good at it. They have an ACC best 253 rushing yards a game, which shows you how good they are. They do that consistently. That's like the bottom line. Now, I talked about how they are only returning one starter. They lost a lot of very important players, specifically Chris Lindstrom. He's now playing uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. He's a first-round pick, uh, very good player. But they do return a lot of veteran players, a lot of guys who have a lot of experience but never were starters. Uh, but they are returning Alec Lindstrom. He's the brother of Chris Lindstrom, and this guy is elite. He is probably the best center that we will see all year. Very strong interior offensive line, very strong left side. I'm interested in seeing what happens on the right side. Now, this game isn't going to be your conventional pass rush game. You're not going to be able to just pin your ears back and have Xavier Thomas and KJ Henry go get the quarterback. They're going to run the ball at you. When they're not running, they're going to hit you with a play action. But the, the ball comes out so fast, you don't have time to do that. So it's going to be interesting what Clemson does, the, the game plan that they use for this. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to have more four-down linemen, probably your traditional 4-3 look in this game. Maybe you have a nickel uh, to help out with a run game. I would have those guys come in and play everything under that 4-3 under look because you're not going to have to worry about any really big deep shots uh, for Boston College. They, they don't really use their receivers because they're decent at best. They don't really have a guy that's, you know, better than anyone we've seen so far. They do have a big play threat in Kobe White. He's an excellent route runner. Does not have consistent hands, though. He's decent sized, about 6'1", around 200 pounds, and he can make some plays. But as a whole, the wide receiver unit is just not very strong because they don't get a lot of use. They're not as bad as Georgia Tech was in the triple option type attack, but they, they just aren't used as much now, especially without Anthony Brown at the helm at quarterback. Again, I'm not saying they don't have talent, but they do. Again, they have Ben Glines who moonlights as a running back as well. Travis Levy, some pretty good players, but I just wouldn't hang my hat on receiver at Boston College having more than two or three receptions in a game unless the game is calling for it because they are getting blown out. We'll see if that happens in this game. Next weakest, probably the weakest spot on the offense, though, is at quarterback, and that's solely because quarterback Anthony Brown goes down for the third consecutive season with a serious injury. He's a pretty good quarterback when he's healthy, though. He's he's not bad. He, he gives them the best opportunity to stretch the field. Uh, he's one of those guys that I thought that if he could stay healthy, 
He could stay, you know, ready. He's one of those guys that has an outside chance of being a third or fourth round quarterback drafted. But with all these injuries, he's had two knee injuries. He's had some kind of spleen injury. The thing that happened last year uh, when he was hit by Christian Wilkins, uh, he was in the hospital for a while. This guy is, he just can't stay healthy. But he was the seventh all-time passing leader at Boston College, a school with players like Matt Ryan and Doug Flutie. So it was a big deal. But now they're going to take a bit of a hit. They're going to bring on walk-on quarterback Dennis Grozel to be the starter going forward. He wasn't even on the depth chart last year. He's a redshirt guy just because he was so low on the quarterback pecking order. He didn't even really have a spot. Now, this kid does have good intangibles. He is a good leader. He knows how to keep his team into the game. He knows how to manage it, but he is not very talented. He's not going to wow you with his arm. He doesn't have a crazy big arm. He's not particularly fast. He's not a, really a threat to run the ball uh, outside of the pocket, but he knows how to keep this offense going forward. But it's still a weakness because he is not a guy that can stretch the field for him. In fact, we'll talk about these keys right now to the game. You got to sell out to stop the run. If we win the battle of the trenches, we win this game. You got to get into the quarterback's head. I talked about this. The inexperience and the lack of talent from Grozell can be taken advantage of. Think about this. If you get Boston College in a situation where they're now having to catch up, they're having to throw the ball more than they have to run, then, you know, you're really going to get in his head. He's going to start making mistakes, turnovers. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's also not a very good quarterback. Uh, We'll see what happens with this. But if you get into the quarterback's head, I'm thinking you got this one in the bag. Because the backup behind him, Matt Valise, not very good either. Got to watch for play action in this game. They're going to, again, run the ball so much and lull you to sleep and hit you hard that you're going to forget about it. You're going to start bringing everybody in the box, and they're going to hit you with one of those tight ends. Get him in third and long situations. A a running team in a third and long situation, that's terrible for them because then they're going to have to go through their playbook and try to figure out what works. Get him in third and long. A lot of tackles for loss. Get turnovers. Turnovers kill this team. The reason why is because if we're getting the ball back for our offense and scoring points, it puts more pressure on them, again, to start doing things that they're not used to do. Rotate the players. Use the depth. They're going to, again, they're going to hit you. It's going to be a physical game. You're going to have a lot of guys getting hurt, falling all over the place, you know, having sore hips. and this. It's going to be a tough game, so you're going to have to use your entire depth. The backups for Clemson are really going to have to play hard in this game. Play discipline. Watch for hard counts. Don't throw punches. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, you got to play discipline. This game is going to be one of those, again, because I talked about how physical it's going to be, one of those ones where you might get hit hard on a block and you might get angry. You you can't retaliate. The last thing we want to do is have all these yards given to them by penalties. We don't want to give them any yards. We want to make it harder for them. Overall, I thought Clemson's defense has really stepped up to the play. They were able to shut down two offenses back-to-back that were pretty dang good. All offseason is about what Clemson lost on defense and not what they return. In all honesty, the defense has been the backbone of the team so far. Statistically, they're better than they were last season, which should be scary for anyone going up against Clemson because the old adage is that defense wins championships. And the thing is, the offense is good enough to get back in if they want to. It's literally if they want to type thing. Of course, this game is going to be a tough and hard-fought one because Boston College will not give up. They will continue to pound their ball. They want to pound that rock and make you feel it. They want to make you earn that tackle. But honestly, if Clemson's defense plays to the standard that we've seen lately, 
they should take care of business, no problem. Again, we want to get them to start throwing the ball more than usual. That would play right into our strength. We are one of the top five pass coverage teams in the nation. Folks, it's time for a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to be talking about the Clemson offense versus this Boston College defense that's usually known for toughness and fundamentals. They're, they're really sound. You're listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. I'm Ellis Tolbert. Back in a moment. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. And we're back. Segment 2 of 4th and 16 is underway, folks. I'm Ellis Tolbert. This is The Game Plan. Now, Clemson's offense got off to a ugly start against a Louisville defense that could be honestly compared to Swiss cheese before the game. And, folks, I still think they are Swiss cheese. I think it was more of a combination of Clemson's offense shooting themselves in the foot with trying to be a little too aggressive at certain situations and the defense doing some things that they hadn't done all season specifically for this game and also playing up to competition. Now, we saw what happened as the game progressed. Clemson started to make adjustments and they blew them out. Wasn't even close. This week, the Tigers will take on a sort of Jekyll and Hyde defense with the Boston College Eagles. Uh, a lot of times they'll have really good plays. They'll do really well in a game, but the next game they'll do terribly. Uh, we talked about the Kansas game in the opener. It, that was strange. They were just they had no answer for Kansas, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Defensive coordinator Bill Sheridan is in his second. Excuse me. Let me go back a little bit here. Bill Sheridan's actually the linebacker coach last season before being promoted to defensive coordinator this year. Uh, He was kind of flip-flopped with last year's defensive coordinator, Jim Reed. He was just demoted. Uh, It's kind of strange, I guess, that uh, Adazio thought that this was best for the team. Didn't really change much. They kind of still look the same. It's kind of underperforming. And, you know, it's hard really to follow up a guy like Don Brown. Of course, we know Don Brown left Boston College to go to Michigan. He's always had one of the more fundamentally sound and scary defenses out there. Uh, So it's kind of hard to follow that up. I understand it. But... Boston College defenses are normally made of toughness. They still are. They just don't really have the players anymore. They lost way too many of them, and that's been the wrap. Let's go ahead and talk about the strength of this defense, and it's at linebacker to no one's surprise. They're always good at linebacker, but this year is really because the defensive line and the secondary are valid weaknesses. Of course, again, I talked about how Boston College has been really good at linebacker. They always have been. They have a long lineage of guys who've been very good. Mark Herzlick, the guy with the crazy face paint who had cancer. Crazy good guy. Matt Milano, Kevin Pierre-Louis, uh, Mike Mamalua. 
Let's see some. Bill Romanowski and Luke Keekley, the prototypical linebacker. They all played at Boston College, so they've always been good at linebacker. Let's talk about some guys this year that I really like for Boston College at linebacker. And it starts with Matt Richardson. He's the weak side linebacker. He is the leader. He's also the team's defensive leader in tackling as well. So he's all over the field. He's a legitimate general. Uh, he is a ball hawk as well. Great in coverage. The other guy that I really like is Mike linebacker John Lamont, another strong and soundly fundamental linebacker. He lays the wood. You will feel it when he hits you. Excellent in run support. He's a little bit of a liability when it comes to pass coverage, though. Uh, he can be exploited. He reminds me of a smaller version of Trey Lamar, uh, one of those guys that can you know, really move well but not very good when it comes to lateral speed. He's, he's not super fast that way, but I do like John Lamont. Uh, he will take your head off. They got a couple good players at linebackers, seriously. Redshirt freshman Nick Danucci, very good. Another guy, Isaiah McDuffie, one of the bigger guys too. Uh, he's going to be playing more of that uh, Isaiah Simmons type position. Not quite the same player, but very good, can move around the ball. I like the linebackers a lot at Boston College. Again, that should be no surprise that they are very good at linebacker. Let's talk about the secondary, man. The secondary at Boston College is always had some really solid players, some really ball hawk players like former safety Lucas Dennis, All-American, and cornerback Hamp Cheevers. Both guys are NFL players now. They're doing some good work in the NFL, but it's not like Boston College is left desolate now. They have some pieces to work with, especially guys like cornerback Brandon Sebastian and safety Madi Alatrock. Now, Madi is that Isaiah Simmons type guy. I keep talking about Isaiah Simmons because he is a jack-of-all-trades this guy's kind of the jack-of-all-trades as well. He's got great size. He's a tackling machine. Uh, but he also he looks like Tanner Muse, though. Third in team in tackling, has an interception on the season. He's got a forced fumble as well. He's an enforcer. When he hits you, you feel it. It's like, I mean, you can just hear the thud. This guy has great tackling technique. I'd be interested in seeing what he's like, though, in coverage, uh, especially if Trevor starts hitting the checkdowns with guys like Travis Etienne and Lin J. Dixon. It's going to be interesting to see if he can cover those kind of guys, but overall, he's a pretty good player. Cornerback, Brandon Sebastian, well-balanced corner. Honestly, probably the most balanced corner we've seen so far. He's got great coverage skills, and he's also really decent at run support. He's got good size, about 6'2", 190. I wouldn't say he's the best cornerback we've seen all year, but he's going to be the most fundamentally sound. It's going to be hard to continuously uh, pick on that guy. It'll be interesting to see what happens. The other cornerback is Jason Mater. Interesting player. Has times where, like Sebastian, he shines through, but there's other times where he looks like an eighth grader on the field. It's kind of interesting. He's similarly sized to Sebastian, though. Very long arms, 6'2", 190. So these guys aren't going to be your average. Just pick on these short guy type corners. Backups are Elijah Jones and Tate Haynes. Tate Haynes is going to be interesting because he also plays quarterback sometimes. So we'll see what happens there. But Elijah Jones is probably the better backup. He's about 6'3", almost 6'4", very long arms as well. Uh, but these guys, we'll see what happens. Again, they're very balanced, but they're not particularly good at one specific thing. They're just okay at both. So we'll see what happens. Let's move along to the, the weakness, honestly, in my opinion, is the defensive line. They are hurting. They lost a lot of guys with graduation in, to the NFL. So you just got to think they're, they're trying to bring them, as many people in as possible. Boston College lost two of the best pass rushers, not only in the ACC, but in the country last year in Wyatt Ray and Zach Allen. 
two very scary players. I remember Zach Allen was just a nightmare always. Lost another stud, Harold Landry, the season before. Plays defensive end for the Tennessee Titans. They got These guys had pass rush like Clemson at one point. This year, the strength is in the interior of the defensive line. The anchor of that is senior Tanner Carafa. This guy is seriously strong. Folks, this guy is a earth mover. Reminds me of former Tiger Carlos Watkins. Great technique. Great hands, too. Uses his body well. Even though he's technically undersized, he's only about 6'3", 280. Uh, so he's going to be smaller than most centers that you see. But this guy can really move the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a good matchup between him uh, and a guy like John Simpson or uh, maybe even a guy like uh, Gage Savinka. I want to see the strength on strength. Two of the strongest team players on each team. I want to see that happen. They do have a zero technique nose tackle type guy in TJ Rayum. Great player. Sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle, though, especially on zone run concepts. Anything cross face kind of confuses him. Uh, and, you know, he just gets lost. And if he gets double teamed, he, he's just doesn't know where to be, but still a pretty good player. Isn't very far down the list on tackles as well. A strong 300-plus pounder uh, clogs up the center very much. It's going to be an interesting matchup between him and Sean Pollard, who wins that battle. I'm going to be watching that one early on. But truthfully, the weakest unit on the entire defense is going to be at defensive end. And, you know, it's just crazy because normally these are the strongest guys. Talk about a guy like Joey Lucchetti, Brandon Barlow, and Marcus Valdez. Those are the defensive ends that are trying to bring back some of the pass rush havoc from previous seasons. They just aren't quite getting the job done. I don't know what's happening, but they're not getting the pass, you know, the pressure like they used to in the past. You know, okay, for example, Boston College has seven sacks all season total. That is no bueno, especially when Wyatt Ray, defensive end last year, had nine by himself. So I don't know what's happening with them, but they're going to have to get up on this game. I can see us using them to the advantage. We're going to probably run off the edge a lot, outside zone runs, off tackle type stuff, because we can really you know take advantage of that. I don't really want to run directly to the strength of their defensive line in this game. But I am pleased to remind you, if you didn't uh, remember, or for those of you who didn't know in general, Former Clemson defensive end Richard Jurgen will be making his return to Death Valley as an opponent. He plays for Boston College now. He hasn't made much of an impact for the Eagles so far. I think he only has about eight tackles total. But, you know, he's listed as a co-starter with Lucchetti. That's going to be interesting. I've always liked this kid, you know, go back to a couple years ago. He had the car accident, injured his neck, had to sit out a whole season. And rather than staying at Clemson and playing, he decided to transfer out. And now he's at Boston College. So we're going to get to see him. I don't think he's going to have a very great game, though. So uh, we'll see what happens to him. Hats off to him. Hopefully he has a great career. Let's go ahead and talk special teams, though. This is going to be kind of uh, a sore spot for me. We are now we, – we've taken on the missed kick book, starting to plague the Tigers. Steven Sawicki missed his first ever try as a starter – and then we had to go out there and bring B.T. Potter for the long kick, and he made that. So now we're just kind of up in flux. We don't know what's going on with that. Really has to get that part shored up. It's been pretty bad with that so far uh, this season, if I'm speaking objectively. But I'm looking for them to get back on track against Boston College. I think both guys are going to do well in this game. Of course, we know that Steven Sawicki is brought in for the shorter field goals, and B.T. Potter is brought on for the longer field goals. I like that. 
It does bring a little bit more pressure on them, though, because they, you know, one guy's thinking, oh, God, I got to make this. This, if this is the only thing I do. So we'll see what happens there. Going on to Boston College special teams, kicker Aaron Bumeri, he's pretty much perfect on his extra points. He's 30 for 30, but he's only about six for nine on field goals for the year. So he's only, he's very comparable with BT Potter. So I can't say that they have any kind of advantage over Clemson when it comes to that. We'll see what happens. Their punter, Grant Coulson, has actually done a pretty decent job so far this year. He averages about 42 yards per punt. So we'll see what happens. That's going to be one of those things. We're going to be monitoring our field position, where they put us. You know, I, I want to see that matchup, that little chess match too, see what he does. For some reason, punters always play much better when they play against Clemson. I don't understand. Moving on to returners, Travis Levy. The running back is mainly their kick and punt returner. He's not very electric, but he does put his team in good field position because he's a smart runner. He does that more often than not. He's not going to be doing much in the kick return game because Potter just ain't having that. Let's go ahead and talk some keys to the game for this Clemson offense. Score. This team will play keep away with their offense. Not even because they're trying. It's just the style of their offense. It will get boring on the sidelines for the offense. We feel like the momentum is being sucked away. You got to put them in a hole early and force their offense to be something that it just can't be. I talked about this with the defense. Check downs. Check downs. Please throw to the check downs. Do not trust your arm as much. Okay? It's great. You want to have all the arm strength in the world. That's that's the thing about a gunslinger. You can have all the, you know, arm talent in the world, but you have to know when to be smart and hit your check downs. There's a chance that Travis Etienne goes for a touchdown on a check down this game. We'll see what happens. I, I don't think Trevor's going to continually – I don't think he's ignoring it. I just think that things are happening so fast that he's unable to process it. We'll see what happens in this game, but hit the check downs. Establish the run on the edges. I talked about how the defensive ends are the weakest group. We want to attack those guys. We want to make sure they're on their game because once they start spreading out a little bit wider, we can get that defense to spread out. It's over. We're going to hit them in the middle. We're going to hit them in the – Outside, it's it's going to be over. Get Trevor in the rhythm. I talk about this every week. Part of that is the checkdowns as well. Get that rhythm going. All quarterbacks are better when they are in rhythm. High efficiency throws. Throw slants. Throw hitches. Throw five yard outs. Throw ten yard outs. Throw bang eights. Throw the checkdown. Whatever you need to do, get him in rhythm. A couple of completions go a long way for a quarterback. Watch for keys of drop eight coverages. Teams have been doing this more and more lately and capitalizing on Trevor's gunslinger mentality. They've been doing this thing too where they're double teaming both Justin Ross and T. Higgins and making you have to find somebody else. You got to be able to see that. And you can kind of read that. Give the slot receivers a chance. I want to see Amari Rogers, DeAndre Overton, Cornell Powell, TJ Chase, Frank Lass, and Joe Ngata. I want to see those guys be involved more because, again, I talked about how teams are starting to double Ross and Higgins. Find somebody else. Hit them on crossing routes, shorter routes. Go into the route trees. You don't have to always go four verticals down the field. You know, there's a thing called yak. We want to see the run after the catch. We can do that. Lastly, go back to being creative. That's what makes Clemson so dangerous. They're starting to do things more of that. I talked about last week how they threw the ball with Travis Etienne. They're starting to do different things with different personnel packages and formations. That's what makes Clemson dangerous. Look, folks, Clemson's offense came out and did pretty much exactly the opposite of what I'd hoped they'd do early in the game versus Louisville. I said that they needed to come out and attack, start off hot and crisp. They didn't. Now, they did start off running the ball well, but got enamored with the deep ball, 
before it was actually open and ready. And that's sort of been the knock on the Tigers so far this season. Maybe they're seeing something pre-snap that gives them a good impression that it will work. Or maybe it's just overconfidence. It does happen. But if you're running four verticals or even levels against a drop eight coverage, there's a good chance you're going to get picked off if the pass isn't absolutely perfect. Even then, there's still a chance they can get picked off. Clemson is most dangerous when the run sets with the pass. That, there's a reason for that. They become a true pick-your-poison offense. Lately, they haven't done that. And it seems that pretty much every single defensive coordinator since North Carolina has abandoned what they normally do in favor of doing something similar, using trap corners, dropping more defenders for coverage than they rush, sending a blind or late delayed blitz, completely disregarding the middle zones and the flats because they know Clemson is an aggressive vertical offense. They're not going to hit the middle of the field. They're not going to look to the checkdowns. We'll see what happens. It's finally time to break that trend. Now, I'm not panicking because I know that Clemson has the potential to do pretty much whatever they want against pretty much any defense out there. But where I leave my orange-colored glasses and bias at the doorstep is the fact that Clemson can't do that if they're being predictable. Now, I do trust the game plan and the schemes that Elliott and Scott come up with each week, but it's up to them to execute and adjust on the fly if it isn't working. And I have confidence they can do that. Folks, in the final segment, I'm going to be comparing position groups for both teams, and I'm going to be giving you my final prediction of the game. You're listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. Stick tight. More football to come. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. All right, folks, final segment of the show is underway, and it's time to do that thing where we compare each position group from both teams, and we talk about why. As always, we start with the wide receivers. For wide receivers, I'm going to have to go outright Clemson, easily the most lopsided group comparison we'll see until Wofford. Look, I think Boston College receivers are average at best. And on top of that, they don't see much action. I'm not saying they're terrible. They're just not used enough. They can be useful in play action and they are devoted blockers. So I will give them that. I think that Clemson receivers need to be a little bit better at route running, but they are coming up big when needed. Anytime you need them, you think about all the drops and think about all the crazy things, but I go to the last touchdown uh, before half with Justin Ross That was just a beautiful play. He was able to come down both feet in. Receivers for Clemson are just crazy, you know, frisbee catching dogs, but they do need better work. But in this competition, I'm definitely going to have to go to Clemson's receivers, not even close. For the running back core, I'm going to have to go even. Travis Etienne and A.J. Dillon are two of the three best running backs in the conference and among the best running backs in the country. Again, I talked about how both guys – 
and Travis Etienne and A.J. Dillon both were considered Heisman candidates at one point this year. So, again, that lets you know how good those guys are. Travis Etienne is better all-purpose player. He can catch the ball better. Uh, I guess he's decent or comparable at blocking. But A.J. Dillon has taken many games over for Boston College alone. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, well, Travis Etienne – they have given him the ball like every single play. So he can take over a game. Very good player. I think the backups in this game are even uh, in experience and talent. Both teams' backups are really good. Talk about Bailey. You know, how about Dixon? Uh, I know that Levy and Glines. Uh, I really like Malusi. He's showing out now. Rencher finally got a touchdown. I'm super stoked about that. Again, this group is highly important for both teams to be successful, so I'm going to have to go even in the running back core. For the quarterback core, much like the receivers, I'm going with Clemson by far. Look, Trevor Lawrence is a gunslinger. He is talented. Of course, he's still making a lot of mistakes that you think he would have made as a freshman, but that's okay. He is still one of the best quarterbacks in the country, the most naturally gifted quarterbacks in the country, and by far the best quarterback in this game. That alone, I'm going with Clemson. Look, I said earlier, Grossell has a knack for leading his team, never gives up. He almost has that Baker Mayfield mentality. You know, he's he's a walk-on. He doesn't want to give up. At one point, he wasn't even on the depth chart, but due to unfortunate circumstances, now you're the leader of the team. He's going to play hard, but he's never faced a defense of Clemson's caliber ever. We'll see how that unfolds. But also, there's no depth behind Grossell. It's Grossell or bust. Chase Bryce is still the best backup in the country. I don't care if you believe me or not. He's really good. A lot of teams would love to have him right now with all their injuries. Plus, Boston College quarterbacks just aren't asked to do much besides hand the ball off to A.J. Dillon. Because of that, I'm going to have to go outright to Clemson. At tight end, much like the receivers and quarterbacks, I have to go outright, by far, to Boston College. They get the advantage on this one. By far, better group of tight ends, maybe even better individually as well, at least without Brayton Galloway suiting up for the Tigers. I think Clemson's tight ends are still underused. When they are used, they're inconsistent, just not really being a part of the game plan outside of blocking or being an alert receiver. But I thought that Davis Allen had a really good catch and run versus Louisville. That gives me a lot of hope for the future. Super excited for his future. Uh, again, we're going to get Brayton Galloway back. You're going to have Jaden Lay. Uh, he is redshirting, but I like those guys, J.C. Chalk, Luke Price. Uh, but right now, they're just not as good or used as much as the Boston College tight ends. Boston College tight ends are really good at run blocking. So is Clemson's, but they, they have more experience doing it, and they also have the better depth. Because of that, I'm going with Boston College outright. When it comes to the big hog mollies, the O-line, this one's a little bit more difficult for me to find an advantage. I'm going to go even. I think the Clemson offensive line has played fantastic over the past few weeks uh, and really good this entire season. And Boston College is known for their offensive line. In fact, all of their success offensively comes from their offensive line and their superb run blocking. Uh, I do think a knock on both teams, though, I'll go into that. Boston College's offensive line is one-dimensional as their offense goes. Uh, if they have to get in a situation where they become a pass-first team because they're getting blown out and have to catch up, they're not going to have a great day. They're just not built to uh, be a pass-blocking team right now heavily. Clemson's offensive line is really good at both. They're very flexible. They can pass-block. They can run-block. They're really good at kick-stepping, pulling players. They're really good at all that. Cross-face stuff, but... 
The problem is Clemson's having mental mistakes right now. A lot of false starts. I don't know what's going on with that, uh, but they're playing at home in this game. There shouldn't be any false starts, although stemming seems to get the team uh, to lose their mind. I don't know what's going on. And for those of you who don't know what stemming is, that's usually you can watch it in the game. If the defensive line moves right before the snap, that's called stemming. They're trying to get someone to move. They're, they're changing their alignment. They're changing their pressure, their gap integrity, and it makes your guys jump. Uh, but both teams have really good depth, a lot of experience across the offensive line. Uh, both teams are, even though, again, Clemson returns most of their starters uh, and Boston College isn't, they still have a lot of players who've played a lot of football and been around for a very long time. I will say the one mismatch, though, I want to see is uh, Xavier Thomas versus Tyler Vrabel, redshirt freshman, son of head coach of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel. I want to see how that works out. He was one of those guys that, you know, a huge big-time recruit, but he landed at Boston College. We'll see what happens. Uh, again, both teams have some really elite uh, players from a college standpoint and NFL standpoint. So we'll see. This one's even for me. I love offensive line too. So uh, sorry for rambling on that one. Uh, defensive line, I'm going with Clemson outright. I've said this weeks and weeks. I think that Clemson's defensive line is just better despite the youth. We got a lot of young guys who are playing at a high level. Now, I want to see them continuously play high level, and they will be tested in this game versus Boston College's offensive line and their running backs. The BC defensive line just cannot produce enough pass rush anymore. I don't know what happened. Again, I talked about seven total sacks this year. That's crazy compared to the old guys in Harold Landry and Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray, three guys that were Clemson-caliber pass rushers. They don't have that anymore. They're just trying to figure things out. Carafa, again, I like this guy. He's a Clemson culture kind of player. Him and Rayum are really good, but they just don't have much help. I, I, I can't give them that. And they're weak on the outsides at end. Just no real pressure. I imagine they're going to try to do some things with some blitzes and uh, maybe some delayed things. Maybe even having uh, their ends drop into coverage to confuse Trevor. Uh, maybe that'll help out a little bit later on, but... Uh, again, Clemson's defensive line is better. They will have to bow up, though, in this game to win the matchup. Again, trenches are very important in this game. I just raved about the Boston College offensive line and their running backs. You're going to have to win the battle. Uh, you got to wrap up. You got to have great gap integrity. You have to know exactly the strength of the offensive line, where they're going. It's going to be a big deal for these young guys. But I talked about this earlier. If you can get Boston College in a situation, if Clemson's offense coming out and they're scoring points, you can get this Boston College team where they're throwing the ball and we can pin our ears back. I like Clemson's defensive line in this one. For linebackers, I'm going slight to Clemson. Both teams have really good linebacker groups playing at a high level. Both teams have great depth. Isaiah Simmons remains the X factor every single week. There's no team that has a player like Isaiah Simmons right now that we're going to play. Boston College linebackers don't do well in coverage, although they're not terrible. Uh, Clemson's are a little bit better. Boston College linebackers are excellent in pass rush and creating havoc and tackles for loss. They're actually the leaders in sacks for the team, not the defensive line. So uh, with that said, though, I still think Clemson's linebackers are better and plus Isaiah Simmons. So slight to Clemson. For the defensive backs, I'm going with Clemson. Clemson DBs are just flat out better. They do need to play more disciplined, 
Don't give up very many things uh, when it comes to deep plays. You don't really have to worry about that much here unless it's a blown coverage. But Clemson's secondary is actually top five in pass coverage, so I have no problems with them. Boston College's secondary, great players, but largely inconsistent, and no one will wow you in their secondary. Clemson's defensive backs will need to step up in this game, though, and make a tackle. It's going to be hard. If you're making a business decision to try to go at someone's ankles, you better make the tackle because otherwise they're going to leave you in the dust. Can't have that. For the special teams, I'm going even. This one's <laughs> kind of a sore spot again. Sawicki missed a kick and Potter made one. How inconsistent is that? Hopefully we can get that part uh, turned around. Again, I mentioned Boomeri and Potter have comparable stats when it comes to kicking accuracy for the season neither teams special teams will blow you away but neither teams special teams are bad i believe that armari roger should return to his part return duties for the remainder of the year now that he's healthy uh nothing against darian kendrick but that muffle uh you just can't have that in a game where if they do recover it that is a complete game changer for louisville Especially with the way Clemson's offense was going at that point, that could have just completely changed the entire game. Uh, but I think they'll get it worked out. Overall, I'm going with Clemson. I just think they have the better team, as they usually do each week. That's objective when I say that. They just legitimately have the better team uh, than the, every team they've played in the regular season this year. And look, Boston College is one of those teams that can win, despite being the most predictable team on the face of the planet. You know exactly what they're going to do on offense, and you know exactly where they're going to attack you defensively, yet they're still able to win games on sheer toughness and the will to survive. This season alone has been a roller coaster for the Eagles. They had dominating wins against NC State, where even Coach Doran, of all people, couldn't even come up with an excuse as they pushed them around pretty much like a rag doll with a former walk-on quarterback at the helm and running the same play multiple times in a row. But... Before that, they suffered nothing short of a pride-killing embarrassment loss at the hand of the Fighting Les Miles and the Jayhawks of Kansas at home in a game where they couldn't do a single thing right. I mean, maybe Kansas is better than we think. I mean, they went to Texas and they put it in. Eh, now, nah, let's shelve that notion for a later date in history. Despite that, though, Boston College is still only 4-3 and three on the season. I talked about losing to Kansas. They lost to Wake Forest, who's regarded as the second best team in the ACC right now, and Louisville. Coach Adazio is known for having his team mentally prepared and tough. If not prepared, they're at least tough. One of the few coaches, I said this earlier, that I actually like. Boston College is that game for Clemson that they either get beat by a billion points or they make it extremely scary up until the end, if not beating Clemson. Clemson's had their fair shares of ups and downs with this team. I know you all remember Matty Ice, Brought the Eagles to Tiger Town in 2008 and hit a receiver with 43-yard touchdown with just under two minutes to go to take the lead. Eventually won that game and the conference division, much to our my dismay. That broke my heart. I also remember Clemson going up to Boston College and Dabo's first ever win and feeling the elation of surviving a back-and-forth tussle. I also remember Clemson putting up 50-plus points on Boston College and winning games by 21-plus at their home and ours in consecutive seasons. So, it's back and forth. Which team will show up? Will it be the one that gives us the heart-racing games that makes some of you reach for the liquor cabinet, or will it be over by halftime? All things considered, the Tigers are a little bit Jekyll and Hyde themselves this season. Look no further than last weekend's game for proof. Clemson didn't know what they wanted in the first half. I can't say it was odd. We've seen this all season, but in the second half, they came out like the national champions, defending national champions like they are, took control of the game. 
They could have put up whatever they wanted in the second half if they wanted to. But they did what they needed to do. Look, I think A.J. Dillon, if he's healthy, he is the real deal. He's a guy that you can literally say is your best player. I think their offensive line is the real deal whenever they want to be and they're healthy. I think Clemson has a special player in Travis Etienne. He is the real deal. I think Clemson's offensive line is the real deal whenever they want to be as well. And this game is going to come down to two factors. Who wants it more and who will win the battle of the trenches? I talked about how tough and mentally prepared they will be. Will Clemson match that and exceed that? I think so. I'm going to take the Tigers in a game that they grind out a big win in front of Tiger Nation, add another notch in the divisional column on the way to hopefully another ACC division championship, another appearance in the conference championship game, and a playoff berth. Even though no one believes that Clemson is going to make the playoff for some reason, they keep dropping, but none of that really matters. Just keep winning, baby. Onward, Roy Bus. With that said, folks, we come to the end of the show. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. But if you want to listen to this episode again, it'll be available tomorrow morning on the 4th and 16 podcast. And you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find me at Twitter at eTolbertSpeaks or on Facebook at 4th and 16 Sports. As always, it is great to be a Clemson Tiger no matter what. I'll catch you guys next week right here at The Roar, our usual time, 7 p.m. Thursday nights. Have a great night, folks. And go Tigers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!